What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson. And man, it feels so bad to lose. It does. And it's not that we lost. I expected to lose, right? I'm not going to have this pity party today. And, you know, I'm not ready to, you know, discontinue the football program and bulldoze the stadium and all that kind of stuff. You know, there's sometimes we're prisoners of the moment. I think it's important to kind of understand you know, there's a process here, but uh, what, I tell you what, what irritates me, and this you know really predates Zach Arnett. Yeah, I mean, even when Dan Mullen was here, as great as the years were, we were really never competitive against Alabama, with the exception of maybe 2014, a game we should have won. We were number one in the country. Uh, Alabama made history that day, one of the few times in school history they defeated a number one team. And then 2017, we should have won both of those games. But by and large, we just haven't been competitive against Alabama. And that's the measuring stick in this conference. You know, and again, hey, people look up and say, yeah, you know, Ole Miss beat Alabama a couple of times. They did. They also got absolutely trounced in most of those games. And I understand, like you look up and, hey, a big win for those guys over LSU, and they're certainly playing better football than we are right now. I mean, how could you argue against that, right? But it just irritates me to look up and you say, you know what? It's a sure loss every year when Alabama's on a schedule. They won't be on a schedule next year, but it's just very, very frustrating to think this is where we are as a program, that we go into these games expecting to lose. And listen, there was a time there in the second quarter I thought, you know what, we may make this thing interesting, and we did. But it didn't last. We mismanaged the end of the second quarter, and essentially the game was decided at halftime. So we're going to break the game down. We're going to work through all that today. And uh, we're going to look forward to kind of, you know, what's next the rest of the way. And, uh, yeah, I've got the new mic hooked up, too. So you may be, your, your sound quality may be a little bit better. It may be a little bit modulated. I've tried to turn the track volume down. I'm not speaking quite as loud as I normally do. Uh, but, yeah, we'll figure it out, you know. But, um, but, yeah, man, it sucks, man. It sucks to lose. And it, it sucks to go into ball games expecting to lose. You know, I'm not that kind of person. I, I don't know about you. But I always feel like that uh, any challenge that I encounter in life, that I got a chance to win. 
And, and, you know, the reality of it is is sometimes no matter how bad you want it, you're just not good enough to win. That was the case on Saturday night. But, uh, you know, we've done some, we did some things that don't make a lot of sense. And uh, I really thought that Kevin Barbet actually called a pretty good ball game. We didn't execute. And part of that's because of the fact that uh, they have more talented players than us. But, you know, I, I just get so tired of this, man, just going into some ball games like this. And I told my wife as we're walking to the stadium, I like, man, it would mean so much to win this ball game. I mean, it would mean everything to this program, to this fan base, to win this ball game. You know, it would really send a signal we're headed in the right direction. Wasn't expecting to. But it's like those days you wake up and we look so forward to college football. And, you know, you wake up on those days and you think, you know what, we're going to lose. We're going to lose. And uh, tip of the cap to the Bulldog fans, it turned out. And created the best atmosphere of the year, one of the better atmospheres we've had in a couple of years. You know, it's just an, an amazing atmosphere. It really was. And uh, thanks to all of you uh, that came and and did your part. You know, you were to be commended. Now, it's another thing that I, I spoke about in in the post game wrap up is that you know nobody. I read all this stuff and people are like, oh, we have the worst fans in America. Well, it's, number one, it's not true. But number two, there's really no evidence to support that. I mean, you go back and look at this baseball season, you know, we had some top ten crowds when we weren't playing well. And then, you know, we have a ball game this past Saturday that we all expect to lose. We have a near-capacity crowd. So it's not our fan support that's at issue here, really, in anything. You know, yeah, do I want more of you guys to come to basketball games? Yeah, sure, sure. But our fans are to be commended for the way they have supported Mississippi State this year in every aspect. Now, whether it be jumping aboard NIL, we always need more of that. You know, be part of the Bulldog Initiative. We're buying season tickets. I mean, you know, we have a tremendous amount of season ticket sales this year in football. So I'm not going to listen to any talk from anybody about our fans. Uh, because, listen, when you make the emotional and financial investment that many of our people make, they've got a right to be upset. And that's okay. We all want the same things, and that's Mississippi State to win. And I get tired of the uh, poor old Mississippi State mentality that some people have too. And a discussion just yesterday, you know, talking about some other things. And I was like, you know, we ought to do this and we ought to do that. And, and this person kept bringing up kind of roadblocks and saying, no, well, there's this and there's this. And I was like, you know, we've got to change our mindset to a can-do situation. It's not, well, we can't do this because of this. Find a way. Figure it out. And that's what I think has to happen. And I think there is, a, you know, a new generation of Bulldog fans that expect more. And I think it's okay to expect more. And I think it's okay to voice your displeasure when you don't get more. And I'm going to do some of that today. Again, I'm not going to have some pity party. I'm not going to throw everybody under the bus. But I'm going to speak very honest and frankly about this. And it's not the loss that bothers me. Again, because I expected to lose. It's the fact that we just are not competitive against the top teams in this conference. We're not. Now you could say, well, Steve, you know, historically, I, I get it. I get it. But just because it's the way it's always been isn't the way it should always be. We're asking more and more of our fans than we ever have in the history of college athletics. And they need to get some return on that investment. Let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company, longtime sponsors of the show. I love Bulldog Burger Company. I have loved them long before they loved me. But, man, what a great partnership it has been. 
Uh, I enjoy going in there eating, man, just putting my feet under that table. Uh, there is an expectation of excellence when I go in there. I know exactly the quality of service, the quality of cuisine that I'm going to enjoy there. Uh, it makes it easy to think about my dining decisions when Bulldog Burger Company is an option for me. And when I'm out of town, I miss it. I do. So next time you're in town, go by and check them out. There's three great locations to serve you. University Drive in Stark Vegas, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, Lake Harbor Drive in the Ridge and Flowood area. Have the uh, spring rolls as your appetizer. You'll be glad you did. They'll make you and everybody around you better looking. It's true. It's in writing. You can trust the science, as they say. And get that chocolate shake to go. Perhaps that bread pudding. You know, get it. You know how it is. You get a big meal and you think, you know what, I'd love some dessert, but uh, maybe I want it later. Put it in the fridge, man. And so when you get the munchies a little bit later, you've got something of quality to enjoy. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right, let's go through this ball game. It won't be fun, but there will be some insight, I guess, maybe perhaps that uh, that you don't have now. One thing I want to jump on to here before we get too deep in the weeds. I've read and seen a lot of this, you know, people are like, oh, well, Zach Arnett doesn't show enough emotion on the sidelines. And uh, I don't know what they're showing on TV because I don't go back. I'm turning this down just a little bit. I don't go back and uh, and watch our losses until uh, much later. You know, I just maybe I'm maybe I'm a little soft like that. But, uh, but anyway, I don't know what the TV cameras show, but I can tell you Zach Arnett was very demonstrative and emotional on the sidelines with coaches, players, and officials. It's true. And it's like I, I said, there were at least 10 times that I saw him on the field. And somebody said, well, it should have been more. I mean, that's the thing. You, know, you can never be negative enough or direct enough. I mean, you never can be. Uh, but uh, I want to make sure we get that established. Again, I don't know what they showed on TV, but for people to su- suggest that Arnett was unemotional throughout the ballgame is not an accurate portrayal of actual events. All right, let's get to it. Uh, State wins a toss, and uh, that's kind of a rarity for us. Alabama likes to receive, uh, so uh, we we elect to defend the south end zone. Nick Barmera gets a kickoff. The first kickoff in a Bulldog uniform for him, it wasn't a touchback. And uh, Kendrick Law returns it 30 yards out to the Alabama 30. Bulldog defense... Showed some grit early in this ballgame. And, of course, uh, Demonte Russell unavailable. Calvin Dinkins unavailable. Trevion Williams unavailable. I uh, think we'll get Demonte Russell back this week. I think he could play this week. Maybe he won't. Uh, hopefully we won't need him. But uh, hopefully we get everybody back here in a couple weeks. But, um, you know, it's, it's going to be one of those deals is going to depend on how quickly people respond to treatment. So you, you kind of know before we get this game started, as I tweeted out, you're short some defensive linemen. And so State had to get creative. There were times we had two defensive linemen down. We had one at times. We had uh, linebackers up in kind of a prowler package. I mean, we had some young guys that got a lot of snaps that actually played pretty well. But we're kind of – you're facing an Alabama running game that uh, has been – you know, somewhat uh, inconsistent, but uh, they still have talent, and eventually they got the ground game going. But this first drive here, we did a great job. We give up 12 on the very first play, and then Jalen Miller always sacked by Jed Johnson. It was an emotional play, really got the crowd fired up. Second and 16, they run McClellan left for a short game, brings up third and 12, and then Don Terry Russell, the younger brother, DeMonte, what a great job he does, frees himself with a spin move and gets to Milrow. And it's a sack. So two sacks on the opening drive. And you think, 
Wasn't expecting this. And then James Burnup, we knew we knew he was a weapon for Alabama. Has the ball check up at the one-yard line, so you feel like State is really in a bad spot. Uh, we do take a shot here on very first and ten, and it was a back shoulder throw to Xavion Thomas and an obvious pass interference, and they don't call it. You know, such is life against Alabama. Uh, not to say it would have changed the, the out, out, outcome of the game, but the crowd was right to boo. It was a bad non-call but from the officials. Rodgers then runs the sneak for one yard. Gives us a little operating room, and we swing it out to Tulu. He can't get loose there. Makes it fourth and six. And, again, another chance for us to make an impact play here. Uh, Keegan Kremlin is a 42-yard punt, and Kool-Aid McKinnistry foolishly elects to try to return this. And uh, State is all over it. Deshaun Page knocks it loose, and uh, McKinnistry gets back on it. Uh, what a play that could have been, right? It's a chance for us with a ball on the ground, but it certainly felt like the Bulldogs were there to play. That continued in this next possession for Alabama that started at their 49-yard line. They run McClellan up the middle for four. Then there's a false start. So now they're second 11 behind the chains. Roy Dale Williams, who's a really good back for them, runs at the middle for seven, brings up a third and four. And they snap the ball before Milrow is ready, and the ball is on the turf. We don't get it. So it's two opportunities you know, in a matter of about a half dozen plays that Alabama puts the ball on the field. We're unable to get it. And that's not anybody's fault, but again, it's a chance for us to do something. It does force a punt. Fortunately, this ball gets into the end zone. It nearly checked up at the one again. But State gets spot at the 20. And uh, we swing it out to Woody for seven. Come back to Tulu for two. Brings up a, um, you know, a third and five. How did that happen? Oh, yeah, we, we had a, a two-yard loss. Excuse me. Excuse me. Third and five. And then Rodgers is sacked. Uh, and then we punt. But you felt like, okay, the defense is here to play. First and 10 at uh, their 30, and a uh, really nice effort here from uh, Keelan Kremitz, 54-yard punt. Uh, they run McClellan up the middle for three. They go back to the middle for 14. Again, we don't have anybody in the middle there. <laughs> we just don't. We Pickering and Kermit are doing the best they can, you know, just with no, no substitutions, really. First and 10, it's a, it's a fumbled snap. It's a low snap, and Milro just picks it up and takes off. And the athleticism – Takes over, and we can't catch him. 53 yards, touchdown. Extra points, good, 7 nothing, And it's unfortunate. You know, it's a busted play, right? I mean, not that they hadn't had some success on this drive running the football, but it's a busted play that uh, yields the first touchdown for Alabama. There would be others. All right, we get the ball back now on, after the touchback at our 25, and we run Woody off the left for four. We're incomplete to Mosley. Uh, Late them in Will's face a little bit here. Ball's incomplete. Third and six. We set up a screen here. And, you know, Will threw three interceptions. I don't really fault him for this one. It's just a guy making a play, right? I mean, we set up a screen. They recognize it. The guy gets a hand up. It's batted up. Chris Braswell grabs it and runs it in for a touchdown. It's 14-0. And at this point, it really felt like the game was getting away from us. I think we all felt it. Extra points good. Touchback on the kickoff. Uh, State takes over to 25 with 3.51 to go in the first quarter. Uh, Marks runs off left side for one-yard loss. We go back to Marks for none. Brings up a third and 11, and we think, okay, it's going to be a three and out. But it wasn't. It wasn't. Will Rogers drops back to pass and uh, just takes off and gets a first down. And that's an element of his game that we, you know, we, we never really see. But 12 yards for the first down, moves the chains. First and 10, we run Jeffrey Pittman off the right side. Need to see more of him, right? If nothing else... Not only because of the fact he's productive, but it's to kind of save some wear and tear on Woody. 
Second and seven, we find Freddie Roberson, a, a very rare Freddie Roberson reception. He's got three on the year. This one's for 13 yards and a first down. Out near midfield, first and 10 now at the Alabama 48. We run Woody off right side for five, go back to the left for four. That runs out the quarter. It would stay on the move, uh, down 14 nothing. But you start thinking, you know, if we can get a score here, you know, maybe we can climb back into this thing. Well, this does end in points as we open up a second quarter, but uh, maybe not as many as we'd like. On the third and one play, it's a false start on Cam Jones. Cam not having a big year. Needed him to have a big year. So far, he's not really having one. We need him to really step up here down the stretch. All right, third and six, though, we still managed to get it done. Woody Marks gets loose for 29 yards down to Alabama 15. Crowd's kind of creeping back into the ballgame a little bit here. Marks goes for four. And uh, we bring in Mike Wright on second and six. And Mike runs up the middle and gets it inside the 10. But it's third and four. And then Rodgers is sacked for a loss of four. We end up taking the field goal. It's good. Kyle Ferry having a big year for Mississippi State. I wish he was kicking more extra points and field goals, to be honest, though. Uh, then Nick Barmera, 60-yard kickoff, and it's returned 19 yards to Alabama 24. I don't know if it was strategic or what, but uh, Barmera done a really good job getting touchbacks. But uh, this game, just one of five. All right, 14-3 game now. And uh, Alabama gives, gets back on the board here with the field goal. But, um, you know, again, this a little more of a sustained drive. You know, you get beat by the big play on the, uh, the errant snap that he scoops up and runs for a score, and then you get beat on the pick six. Uh, this is the first time they really, you know, put a drive together and it ended with points. Roydale Williams up the middle again for 11. Then it's complete to Malik Benson for 27. Roydale Williams goes off right side for eight, back at the middle for one. And then it's a one-yard loss on third and one. Nice play here by you know, Jet, uh, Buki Watson and Sean Preston. Makes it a fourth and two play, and uh, they kick the 48-yard field goal, and they're back in it, right? I mean, it's like you look at it, you know, we, we narrow the gap a little bit. They retake it right back out to 14 points. Uh, Will Rikers kickoff down to the MSU two, and Tulu gets loose. Too loose for 34 yards to the state 36. And uh, we've had some big returns this year that we've done nothing with. This one, we actually cash it in. So back-to-back scoring drives for the Bulldogs. Uh, how it all happened is we're incomplete to Creed Whittemore. We go back to Tulu, running right. And every time we run this reverse action, it, it, we haven't been able to break this. And I don't know if we're tipping it, you know, in film study or whatever, but whatever we're doing, every time that we've run Tulu on this little reverse action stuff, we're just kind of putting him in a bad situation. All right, third and eight, we're complete to Jeffrey Pippen. Need to see more of him. 22 yards to the Alabama 40. First and 10 now. We run Pippen off the right side for a couple. Second and eight, come back. It's incomplete to Woody. Latham had a big game for Alabama back in our, in our backfield there. Third and eight, Woody gets loose off the right side for 10. And a first down, it's first and 10 at the Alabama 28. Uh, we take a shot with Xavion, just couldn't quite get there. And second and 10, uh, we get it out to Antonio Harmon for 13, who gets it into the red zone there. Sets up a really nice play here. Mike Wright into the ball game. Runs the zone read, keeps it, and goes essentially untouched into the end zone for the touchdown. And Davis Wade Stadium is electric at this point. Extra point is good. It is now 17-10. to 10. And again, back-to-back scoring drives for your Bulldogs. You think, man, if we can get a stop here, we got a chance to go two for one because we get the ball coming out of the half. And so how we manage this final six minutes really determined the outcome of this ball game. And we did not do a good job here on the field of executing. First and 10, 
uh, after the uh, the touchback. I believe that was the long, yeah, the long touchback we had on the game. Joe Miller runs uh, right for six. He's flushed there. Decam makes a tackle. Milrow again, one yard gain, brings up a third and three. We call timeout. I thought it was a great timeout. I was like, hey, I think Zach and the staff understands how significant this drive is. Let's settle the defense down. Let's get off the field. Unfortunately, we were unable to do that. We almost did, though. Third and three. Uh, they swing it out to Jacoy Brooks, and Banks is all over it. And it was right at the line of the game. Proves to be a first down. It was the right call. Uh, brings up another set of downs, first and ten here. Miller runs off right for six. They go to McClellan for three. Again, third and one. And this time Alabama calls timeout. And out of the timeout, they give you a false start. So instead of it being a third and short situation, it's third and medium. Third and six. Again, a very important play in this ballgame. If we can make a play and get off the field, you got a chance to go get – even just a field goal helps tremendously. But instead, it's complete – uh, to Amari in the black for 18 yards across midfield to the state 43. McClellan then runs for 11, back to him again up the middle for eight. That's 19 yards right at the middle of your defense uh, after two significant third down conversions for, for Alabama here. Second and two, Murrow is incomplete to uh, Robbie Alts for seven, but there's an ineligible downfield. All right, puts it back at second and seven. You start thinking, okay, look, if we can you know, get a win here on second down, force another big third down, get the crowd into it, maybe we get off the field. But instead, it's complete to McClellan for 19. McClellan then on first and 10 from the state 10 gets nothing. We call timeout again to kind of settle the defense, trying to force a field goal here. Uh, McClellan runs up the middle, really kind of faded left there for eight. We call timeout again, trying to salvage some clock and say, you know what, again, even if we give up a score here, maybe we can go get something. On third and two, McClellan back up the middle for a touchdown. Extra point is good. Uh, They kick it off away from Tulu, but Thomas gets it out to the state 27. So you got a minute and three to work with here. You're down 24-10, and again, if you get anything here, it's big. Now, in postgame, Arnett kind of second-guessed himself and said we should have taken a knee. I absolutely disagree. Absolutely disagree. You got timeouts to work with, and again, you've had back-to-back scoring drives. So it's not like you haven't found some sense of rhythm on offense. So to me, that I disagree with Zach, and I think maybe he said that to kind of protect the team, the coaches, the players, whatever. I just don't agree with it. I think you've got to go try to get points, and yes, it's a minute, but uh, you know, and maybe you, you take a play on first down, and maybe if you can get a chunk play and uh, you know get a first down, 10, 15, 20 yards. Then you kind of go tempo and see what you can get. If it's incomplete on first down, then maybe you just you know run the dive and get on out of there. But I think you have to be aggressive here, and um, especially against Alabama. You're not going to beat Alabama being conservatively. Instead, we throw a pick. And uh, Rogers said he just really thought that they were going to wrap around linebacker there and uh, don't know where the miscommunication was. I just know there was an interception thrown. And this was basically the death knell for this ball game. This was it right here. It wasn't the fact that we didn't score. It's the fact that they did. They get the ball back under a minute to go on our 31. Williams runs at the middle for four. They call their final timeout. Uh, second and six, it's complete to Isaiah Bond for 17. Makes sets up a first and goal situation. And Milrow runs up the middle for a touchdown. The game is over at this point. It's just a matter of what the final score is going to be. First and ten. Uh, after the uh, 20-yard return, we take a knee. And that runs out the half. It's 31-10. And, again, just a few minutes before, 
You know, states down a touchdown with a chance to get off the field. I mean, that's how quickly things can change. And a lot of it's our own ineptitude. But, again, again, give credit to Alabama, right? I mean, they're very opportunistic. You know, we made a mistake. They made us pay for it. But this game was over at the halftime intermission. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, get to the second half. Uh, of course, Bulldogs get the ball coming out of the break. Uh, we get the uh, touchback here, and what a weapon that is, man. It, it is. It just it absolutely is. And uh, I'm glad that Nick Barmira is back. We get more of that. But, uh, again, not as consistent this week as he has been in the two previous weeks. But uh, Tuli runs right for a one-yard loss. We go back to Woody for 13 off the left side. First down, first and 10. We're complete to Tulu for 15. A great throw and catch here. First and 10. Pittman runs off right side for 10. We go back to him for a one-yard loss, but we're at the Alabama 39. It's already been a decent drive. And uh, second 11, Will Rogers showing off some wheels here. Again, I wasn't expecting this from him. He drops back, and again, it shows that he does understand the offense and where the green grass is going to be. He sees uh, some pressure and then takes off and runs 15 yards. One of the longest runs of Will's career. Runs 15 yards and uh, gets out of bounds. Moves the chains, first down. First and 10 at their 24. We bring in Mike Wright. He runs off left side for a gain of two. Brings up second and eight. And Jeffrey Pittman, again, they just see more of him. Really, really impassioned physical run right here. He gets off right side. And you can see once he breaks containment, he just simply has another gear. Uh, down inside the Alabama five. And on first and four, we run Pittman back up the middle for one. Back to him in the middle for two. He kind of a short yardage back. And on third and one, we go back to Pittman again. So it's a Jeffrey Pittman show. Wasn't a perfect throw. Great adjustment by Pittman to get it and get into the end zone. They review the play, which is a waste of all of our precious lives. Uh, The uh, extra point was good. Now it's 31-17. You start thinking, we just need something good to happen here. Just get us a stop. Give us a chance. There's still a lot of ball game left. And I know I just declared the game over at halftime because I've got the gift of hindsight. But in the moment here, you're thinking, okay, it's 31-17. If we get a stop and can get into the end zone, 
maybe get this thing to the fourth quarter within a score, maybe the great folks of Davis Wade Stadium can kind of take over and will us to a victory here. But instead, Alabama does what good teams do. They answer. They didn't answer with the same vigor that we did, but they allowed themselves the benefit of having a three-score lead after this possession. Uh, McClellan runs up the middle for a gain, one-yard gain. It's complete in a black again for 23. Now it's first and 10 out in their midfield. McClellan runs off the um, left side. Five-yard loss, big play here by Jet Johnson and Sean Preston. A second and 15, and again, a chance behind the chains here. They run McClellan for four. It's third and 11. Again, let's just get a stop. Can we get off the field here? No, we can't. And they get it out to uh, Black. a little bit run after the catch there. Makes it a first and 10 at the MSU 31. They swing it out to Kendrick Law for five. Makes a manageable second and five. Williams four on the play. Makes it a third and one. And then Milrow runs up the middle and gets a first down. Nice effort by the Bulldogs here, but we couldn't stop them. First and 10 now in the red zone. Williams runs for six to the middle. No gain here. Brings up a third and four, and you're hoping to hold for a field goal. Well, we do because of the fact that Deshaun Page and Jaden Crumbody uh, get to the quarterback here. So it's another sack for the Bulldogs. Fourth and 10, the field goal's up and good. But, again, now it's a three-score game again. So even though that you have cut this thing and really responded, you know, with a nice scoring drive to open the half, it's, you're down 17. And then we go three and out, right? First and 10, Davis runs off the right side for two. Davis then off the uh, right side again for four. Brings up a third and four. We're incomplete to Xavion Thomas. We punted away. And you would think Alabama's going to go ahead and put a fork in us. The game is, again, it's done. But, uh, you know, give your Bulldog defense a little credit here. And, and situationally here, right? Alabama drive starts at their 20. McClellan runs for five. McClellan goes back for three more up the middle. Brings up a third and two, and it's incomplete. And Jet Johnson in the face of uh, Jalen Milrow, and they force a punt here. State uh, takes over at our 28. Final play to third quarter. Seth Davis runs off the right for three. And, and again, Woody had come out of the ball game, was a little bit banged up. Uh, it was smart not to go back with him. You know, it just, it just was. You know, this game is decided. There's no point. And uh, getting him banged up even more than he was. All right, the first, second seven now, where Rodgers complete to Tulu for 12, still fighting. First and 10 now at our 43. We get it out to Tulu here, and they blow it up for a one-yard loss. Um, Zevion Thomas ends up with the football. You know, short game there. Kind of, a, you know, just one of those things. You're trying to make a play here. Didn't work the way we had hoped. Uh, second and 11. Um... Will Rodgers complete Antonio Harmon for one. Third and ten, Will Rodgers is sacked. We go for it, and I, I read some social media commentary, and I want to respond to that. People are like, why would we go for it on fourth down from our 42? Guys, we're in the fourth quarter down three scores. It doesn't matter how much you lose by. It doesn't. So if we punt here, does it make it easier to accept? Nah, I mean, you you got to go for it. This, this is a no-brainer. You're down 17 in the fourth quarter, and you're across your 40. It just simply doesn't matter. you got to go. you got to try to win the game. We'll sack for eight yards. So there's a lot to be upset about in this ballgame. This, this call isn't one of them. All right, first and 10, now Alabama takes over to our 34. Uh, complete across the middle for four yards in the black, and then Milrow sacked again. 
Three-yard loss, uh, Bookie Watson, Dante Russell. Dante Russell needs to play more. Second and 23, it's complete to Dippery for 26, moves change. And those are things that just simply can't happen. I mean, you get him backed up in a second and 23, and you let this guy run for a first down, that just absolutely cannot happen. It wasn't like it was some unique play design. They just throw it out there. We don't make a tackle. They give up 26 yards. And forget, listen, forget that the score is. It's a pride thing. Second and 23, and you go 26. No, it'd be one thing if it was like they just threw a fade and, and it's a one-on-one matchup and they beat you down the field. They threw this ball underneath. They're just trying to get, you know, get some of it back, and they get it all back. That's just unacceptable. All right, first and 10, it's incomplete. And second and 10, they give it to Roydale Williams to four up the middle. Then it's a false start. And, of course, it's permissible to flag Alabama at this point, right? I mean, they've had some penalties. Let's be fair about it. More times than not, they don't they don't get called. But uh, third and six becomes third and 11. And then it's uh, complete to McClellan for six. We make a tackle there. They kick the field goal. It's 37-17. Still a three-score game. But only if we hadn't gone for it on fourth and eight, right? No, come on. Get over yourself. All right, Will Riker kicks off. Tully returns at three yards out to the uh, MSU 18. And I think you're going to see more people doing that, kind of sky kicking it. When they can't get it out of the end zone, they're going to try to sky kick it. Offensively, this fourth quarter wasn't their best. We take over to our 18. Rodgers completes his Avion Thomas for two. We go back to uh, Davis for four. Brings up a third and four, and we're incomplete to Freddie Roberson. And uh, just really didn't protect well here. And on fourth and four, we go for it again. And again, people were upset. Why are we going for it? Guys, it is a three-score game in the fourth quarter. We're down 37-17. You don't get any style points. Nobody's going to come back later and say, well, you know, Mississippi State, you know, they, they punted. It's stupid. And then the pass is intercepted by Caleb Downs. We're trying to get it out there to um, – to Creed Whittemore, who was, uh, had a clean release there, but I don't think Will ever looked off the safety. I think Will had kind of predetermined where he was going with the football with Caleb Downs. Uh, makes a nice play on the ball. And, uh, again, this is the third interception. The, again, the first one I don't really, you know, fault Will for. The last two I do. Uh, so, here we go. Again, it's a scoring drive for Alabama. Only if we hadn't gone for it on fourth down. Oh, my gosh. All right, first intended our 34. Miller runs for no gain. Ty Simpson into the ball game now, runs for a loss of one. Then Ty is uh, incomplete. And then they get us to jump. They're going to go for it on fourth down. They get us to jump. Dante Russell, young guy, makes it fourth and six. They attempt a 48-yard field goal, and it's good. It's now 40-17. to Kickoff is 58 yards, and uh, Xavion returns to 35 yards to the state 42. Seth Davis runs off left side, right side for 11, and then we Rogers complete Antonio Harmon for seven, brings up a second and three here. Kevon Lee, rare uh, carry for him, gets in and gets you seven, moves the chains, makes it a first and ten. We take a shot, Freddie Roberson, it falls incomplete, second and ten. Uh, Kevon Lee again nine yards up the middle. They flag us for illegal formation, which makes it a second and fifteen. We find Freddie Roberson for ten. Makes it a third and five. Kevon runs right for no gain. Fourth and five. We go for it again. And it's incomplete. And Kool-Aid McKinnistry in there. Hadn't been in the ballgame. They put him back in the ballgame. Because he had a lot of reserves in the ballgame then. But they weren't going to let us go down and score again. 
Alabama then uh, takes a knee, runs the clock out. That's a ball game. You know, I mean, I, I say they take a knee. I mean, just kind of run the football back up, just run the dive here. Uh, Justice Haynes goes for three. They go back to him for 15, then for two and for two. So that's it. 47 is your final. And it still stinks, right? I mean, it's like even – you're like, well, it's Alabama. You know, I know we're never going to be Alabama, but I want to be competitive with Alabama. Look at your team numbers here. I guess we'll look at some individual numbers. Uh, Jalen Milrow, 10 for 12. And if memory serves me correct now, that's seven incompletions in the past three weeks for Mississippi State. Pretty crazy. How does that happen? How does that happen? I don't know that I've ever seen anything quite like it. We simply cannot defend the pass. You're like, well, you know, no, no. That's it. it makes no sense whatsoever for teams to be able to, to complete the pass with the proficiency in which they do against us. As I mentioned last week, I mean, the, the two incompletions that Rattler had, one should have been a hold on us and the other one was a drop. How are people this wide open this often, no matter who we play? It doesn't make any sense to me. And that, this, is the, this, this bothers me more than the offense because we felt like there would be some growing pains with the offense. You know, you've got a brand-new coordinator and with a bunch of guys he didn't recruit, right? But defensively, you've got a bunch of guys back. And, yes, I understand there was some needs in the secondary. We've talked about that for months now. But you're kidding me here? How does this happen? Melrose, 10 of 12, 164 yards. He sacked four times. If I told you before the ball game, hey, we're going to sack him four times, he'd say, you know, maybe we're in this thing. Riders also sacked four times, but 15 of 27 for 107 yards, one TD, three interceptions. That is not going to get it done. That is absolutely not going to get it done. I don't know how anybody could look at that and say anything otherwise. And listen, I'm, I'm very much a Will Rogers supporter, but we got to shake some things up here. And, and, again, I, I still question how we're using Mike Wright. Mike Wright can throw the football. Can Mike throw it as well as Will? No, he can't. But you're not making defenses defend you honestly when all you ever do with Mike is have him run the football. And not to mention, we bring him in, let him start a drive just to hand it off. You can pull a kid out of the stands and do that. And I, I'm in favor of giving Mike a series. Let's see how things go. You know, I, and, again, I think it's about making the defense be honest. This is the thing that kind of, you know, perplexes me. It doesn't make a lot of sense. But, uh, yeah, not a good game for Will. Not that I expected him to have a great game against Alabama. I thought the kid fought and played hard. But, uh, you know, the stat line is what it is. Jalen Milrow is the leading rusher for Alabama with 69 yards, despite the fact that he lost 23. I mean, he nearly ran for 100 uh, before you factor in the losses. Jaquavius Marks leads Bulldogs with 68 yards. Freddie Roberson, your leading receiver, actually tied with Jeffrey Pittman with two, care, two catches for 23 yards. Tulu, five, five touches for 21 in the passing game. Uh, defensively, uh, some big numbers, you know, for a lot of people here. You know, uh, looking at Mississippi State's, we're on field a lot. So, Jet Johnson with 14 tackles. Nathaniel Watson with a dozen. Uh, Jack with Jet, excuse me. One and a half tackles for loss, and uh, one of those being a sack. Deshaun Page with a forced fumble. Had seven tackles, one of his better uh, games in the uniform. Sean Preston with seven tackles. Uh, Don Terry Russell with five. Two and a half of those for a loss. Jaden Cromedy went down in a ball game. We don't expect that to be uh, long-lasting. He did leave the field on his own power. 
Uh, we'll, we'll try to get an update today, but uh, I don't know if we will. But, um, you know, I thought at times the defense uh, you know, fought valiantly. And, again, it's you keep giving those guys a short end of the field, you're asking an awful lot of the defense. And then you look at the fact that uh, you, you really only have two down defensive linemen uh, available. They're going to run the football. And they do. And they did. And those are things you look at. It's just like, you know, you're not going to learn anything about your team against Alabama unless it's negative, short of winning a football game. But that game's over. And uh, now we get ready for another day, and uh, we'll take on Western Michigan this Saturday. Kickoff is at 11. And I know that makes it tough, right? You'd love to play that game at night to really help, because people aren't going to come. There are going to be some people who say, ah, I'm not going up there. You know, the sting of these last couple losses, you know. I mean, State's lost you know, three in a row. And then you got 11 a.m. game against, uh, you know, a team that you should beat handily. But it's one of those situations, too, and I hate to sound so negative. You want to see the Bulldogs win uh, this year. This may be one you want to come to. we got an open date after this, and uh, we need to make good use of these two weeks. We need to get some guys some playing time. We need to get some guys healthy and prepare for uh, you know the end of October. I mean, listen, it's, the month of October has got to be great for Mississippi State. Can it be? Absolutely. But it's all about us. We have got to execute at a higher level. And I think the open date comes at a good time. But we got to go take care of business this weekend. And people are like, you know what, Steve, I can't assume anything. And I think you're right to feel that way. But this football team from Western Michigan, I mean, listen, you know, they're two and three on the year. We'll preview them later in the week. But um, they have not been good against Power 5 competition. Uh, they did beat Ball State over the weekend, 42-24. But uh, outside of that, you know, it, it's been an in- interesting year, you know, two and three. And, uh, of course, they opened up with a win over St. Francis. Like not Francis. But against Power 5 competition, it had been very good. Uh, so, you know, we'll see those guys next Saturday. Need you here. We really do. So if, you, if, you're gonna, if, you, if you're in town, please come to the ball game. If you're on the fence about coming, please come to the ball game. I'm sure there will be plenty of tickets available. You can probably get some from free for free if you look around – uh, you know, Gene's page or some of the the, uh, the free Facebook pages out there. But we need you to be here. And uh, a chance for State to uh, even the record. I think most people expected us to be at best 4-2 and two after October 7th. After this game against Western Michigan, we were hopeful to win South Carolina. I think most of us penciled in losses to OSU and Alabama. But you can't just say, okay, well, I expected to lose, and so everything is okay. Everything is not okay. But also, everything is not absolutely rotten either. If you win this ball game this weekend and get healthy after that open date, you got a chance to win a couple meaningful ball games in October, and then we'll see how November goes. But there are a lot of people out there saying, "Hey, I want to fire this guy and that guy and that guy." And it goes all the way up, Doctor Keenum. You know, I don't, the people are like I don't understand why Selman's not doing anything, guys. We're five games into the season. Take a deep breath. I'm not happy with how we're playing either. But it's like to sit back and suggest these people are, are serving through in action. It's just not accurate. Everybody, just calm down. All right, it's time for today's top 10 list. As always, brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. That's C-L-O-S-E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R.com. 
You can reach Blair at 601-500-2344. That's 601-500-2344. That goes directly to Blair. Not to a call center or a receptionist or a desk or anything like that. It goes directly to Blair because he wants you to have access to him. Blair is a mortgage professional. If you have mortgage needs, whether it be buying a home, refinancing your current home, or perhaps a co-signing on a home for a young person in your life, Blair can help you navigate through the labyrinth that often is underwriting. Hit Blair up and let him know you heard about him on the Boneyard. He's a guy that gets things done. 22 years of experience in the industry. Top 1% close ratio in the country back-to-back-to-back years. Blair is your friend. Blair is my friend. He is a friend to all those in need. So hit him up for your needs at closewithblair.com. Okay. One of my favorite modern rock bands is uh, a band actually that was founded in the United Arab Emirates. I don't know that we've had a band with that type of lineage. I love Asking Alexandria. I saw him at Rocklahoma. Thanks, Mark, for that, for the hookup. Love those guys. I love having a chance to, uh, to watch them perform live. And uh, it really changed for me after seeing them live. I always really liked them. And then when I saw them live, I said, you know what? I need to get deeper into this band. These guys are really passionate about what they do. Uh, it's been great. The, the new material is fabulous. Absolutely fabulous. Uh, before we get started, I want to share a song with you that, that didn't make our top 10. And part of the reason why is there were so many great ch- songs to choose from. This one is a little special to me. And uh, I wanted to share it. I, I made a post about it on Facebook today as we got ready to, to, to do the top 10 and record the show. It's a great song called Miles Away. And uh, I don't know how it is for you, but I suspect that we're probably similarly situated in this uh, regard. You know, you get older and you start paying the mortgage and raising kids and paying the bills and trying to build a brand and kind of carve your way in the world. And sometimes old friendships just kind of fall away. They do. It's not anybody's fault, right? I mean, I don't know how it is for you. I don't live in my hometown. I don't get home that often. But there are some friends that uh, when I, whenever I get them on the phone or I see them, it's like, we, you know, it may have been 25 years since we've been together, but it's like none of that time matters anymore. I mean, once you get caught up, it's like all of a sudden, hey, this is a person that knew me before any of this. This is a person that was down for me when I didn't have much. And uh, the song Miles Away is one of those things that uh, I, I really discovered the song. I'd heard it before, but, you know, there are some, some songs that... Uh, you know, kind of become part of the soundtrack of something you're going through. And when my friend Grant Fontenot killed himself, when I found out about that, and you guys know I found about it much later, it made me feel like a really bad friend, that I wasn't there for him, and that I hadn't stayed in contact closer. And uh, I really wish I could have been there for him. You know, I'm not narcissistic enough to believe that uh, maybe I could have changed the outcome, but I certainly would have liked to try. And then I think about my friend Scott Sorensen, and uh, you know Scott was so instrumental in my early recovery of being a, a quality friend to me with good habits. Because I had some friends, and listen, I'll be honest and forthright with you, and when you read When the Bottom Falls, you'll understand I was pretty much the negative influence in all of my circle of friends. And when I got sober, I had to kind of reinvent a friend group, and Scott Sorensen, one of my first friends in recovery, 
and uh, became an award-winning artist uh, in Jackson. And in his obituary, they called him a Fondren legend. And uh, I think that's fitting. But, uh, you know, Scotty was a guy, too, that, uh, you know, made me promise. He goes, you know, one day you got to tell our story. And uh, I've done some of that in When the Bottom Falls. And uh, we'll have that to you in a few weeks. I wish I had a release date. I still don't. It's frustrating for me. It really is. I'm ready to get these books on the shelf. And I have articulated that to everybody to listen. But uh, the song Miles Away reminds me of the people that I've lost, but also to the people that were instrumental in my success long before that success manifested itself. And uh, it doesn't mean that I don't love those people anymore. It doesn't mean that there's a beef or any disagreement or anything like that. Life just happens to all of us. And uh, so Miles Away is a song that I want to dedicate to everybody that has sowed some positive seeds in my life. And it's a very, very special song. And there's so, there's so much of that, too. It's like there's so much in life. It's like we don't always take the time to take an inventory and say, you know what? I wouldn't be here today without the contributions of these people. And uh, many of you are a part of that as well. I mean, you're listening to this show because you love Mississippi State, but you also support us. And, you know, and uh, certainly we want you to be a subscriber over at jeanspage.com. You can still get two months for a dollar. Uh, but in addition to that, too, I mean, you listen to the show and buying the books and things like that. I mean, uh, I don't just sit here to hear myself talk. You know, I'm trying to educate and inform as best I can. And I'm very appreciative of all of you. But uh, there are some people out there that have been so incredibly special to me that have really done something that uh, has encouraged me along the way. And so the song Miles Away, it's like I think about that sometimes. Like I'll go to a show or something like I'll I'll be at some incredible concert. And I think, you know what? as great a time as I'm having, I wish so-and-so was here. I wish they would be able to experience this with me. And there have been times that I've seen Mississippi State win on the road. You know, I think about my dad. You know, I think about all those Bulldogs that we've lost. And, you know, we went to College Station, Texas, and Dave Murray and I get to go out there on the field and shoot a video at Kyle Field. You know, and it's like those things are very special to me. I didn't just wake up one day and I was here. I had to work to get here. And there were a lot of people – They were very instrumental in that along the way. And so Miles Away is for all of you that were part of that. But here are our top 10 songs. Number 10, and uh, I give the wife uh, a lot of credit here. She was kind of on the uh, Maria Brink bandwagon long before me. Uh, Maria Brink, the uh, lead singer, the fabulous lead singer of In This Moment, also saw them at Rocklahoma. Thanks, Mark. Uh, but she is a duet partner on this great song uh, called New Devil. And, uh, of course, it's, you know, the devil you know is better than the devil you don't. You know, and uh, that's one of those deals you think about, whether it be relationships or, you know, working situations or whatever. It's, all, it's always best to kind of know who your competition is, right? Uh, so New Devil, a great track, and I think Maria Brink really adds something to it. Number nine, a great track, Never Gonna Learn. Love this one, man. Absolutely love There's so many profound lyrics in this one. I think you're really going to dig it. Number eight, moving on. It's, a, you know, of course, the end of a relationship. It could be used for a lot of different things, but this one's about a relationship. It's about that moment, you know, when you have that moment of clarity and say, you know what, this thing is over. And so I'm going to move forward from my own mental health, my own, uh, you know, self-being. I got to move forward. And that's what the track is about, moving on. So maybe that's a part of uh, your life. Uh, my favorite Asking Alexandria album is uh, you know, Like a House on Fire. 
and uh, one of the, there are three tracks from that album on this list today. The first one is uh, "They Don't Want What We Want," and they don't care. And uh, I am, in many respects, kind of apolitical. In many respects, I don't have a lot of the affiliations that many of you do. Uh, it doesn't mean that I, I don't vote. I vote every opportunity that I'm given uh, because a lot of people fought and gave their lives to give me the right to do so. And so I honored their sacrifice uh, by being part of the electoral process. And I have some strong opinions about politics. I don't always share them on the show. Uh, but one of the things that I have learned uh, in the course of my time, in my uh, 51 years on this planet, is it doesn't matter who's in charge. Most of them really don't care about you. They don't care about me. They care about themselves. And uh, I think that's one of the reasons that that, uh, you know, that song, The Rich Men North of Richmond, uh, has been so popular. Is because I think there's a lot of angst about all this in our country right now. There are a lot of people that preach division because when there's the people are divided, the people are not going to become... Uh, united in one voice and so um, this is kind of that same song and it's not for or against any side politically it's just about the angst that exists with our leadership that is out of touch with the common person in America all right number six psycho love this one too love the acoustic guitar on it that kind of leads in it's a little bit different that's one thing to love about Asking Alexandria. There is a consistent theme through a lot of their music. There's, the, the sound is very, very unique to them. This is a song that kind of steps out of their, their usual, uh, you know, style. So I dig it. Love the vocal. Number five, another song of inspiration is I Won't Give In. And, uh, yeah, there's a lot of songs like that that are inspirational to me, and this is one of them. You know, I just, I'm not that kind of person. You know, it's one of the things that uh, the greatest compliments I've ever been given is I had a friend, uh, one of those friends that I, I still talk to from my hometown from time to time. Usually when I get a tattoo, we compare notes, you know. Uh, but he said, you know, Steve Robertson's the best friend you could ever have or the worst enemy you could ever have. And I kind of wear that like a badge of honor. You know, I'm very loyal to the people that are loyal to me. Uh, but I'm also very, very, at times, vindictive about people that aren't. And so more times than not, I'm indifferent about all that stuff anyway. Like, I just kind of leave it alone. But if you come after me, uh, you, bought it, you might want to bring an army and uh, a supply chain of sack lunches because it's going to be a difficult undertaking. Uh, number four, probably one of the first big hits for this band. It's a great track called Alone in the Room. And I always kind of equate that to recovery. I know many of you don't, but uh, you don't have those same struggles that I have. But, uh, you know, being alone in the room sometimes is a good thing and a bad thing. You know, I've, I've been told years ago that an, an addict alone is in bad company. And that's kind of how I live my life. I, I don't like to be uh, reclusive. Sometimes I need to be, you know, for my own mental health, you know, to be able to just kind of have a chance to rest and relax. And when the wife is home, and she is now full time, but it's one of those deals where, you know, it helps to have somebody to come home to. But sometimes you just need time to yourself. Number three. And you probably figured out that uh, two of our final three songs are going to be off that great album, Like a House on Fire. And it's going to be the track, House on Fire. I love the attitude in this one. I love the guitar in it. I love how in your face it is. There's so much of that that I think um, makes rock and roll what it is. You know, we talk so much about how this overproduced sound and if things have been watered down. But every so often you, you encounter a band that you kind of believe what they say. They have some authenticity in what they do. And this is one of those house on fire number two incredible incredible song 
And uh, again, it's about the end of a relationship, and we've all been there. But uh, it's a song called I Don't Need You. And uh, it's about, you know what, hey, it's over. And while I still have, you know, some romantic feelings for you, and there's, again, another duet here, um, it's like I don't need you, you know. I love you, I like you, but I don't need you. I don't have to have you to kind of move forward. Um, and I don't need you to tell me who I'm supposed to be. You know, there's so much of that to you. You get caught up in relationships, sometimes you lose a sense of who you are. Uh, and those aren't healthy relationships, right? I mean, if, you, if, I, if I have to be less of me to have more of you, then that's probably not a good arrangement, you know? Uh, but I don't need you. It's one, even though it doesn't apply to my personal life, I can feel the authenticity in the song. There is a genuine article in every bit of this. But number one, and if there's ever been a song that uh, maybe exemplifies kind of how I feel at times, it's this one. It's anti-socialist. I absolutely love this song, and uh, yes, there is some profanity in it. And so if you're a, a pearl clutcher, this is probably not the track for you. But it's like, you know, it's about all these people that are constantly pulling on you, and they always want something from you, and they don't really contribute anything to your life. They're just essentially a psychic vampire, just kind of getting by on the energy that you provide without reciprocating. And, uh, you know, it's like, yeah, go ahead and spread the word. I don't like you. And it's one of those songs that I have to listen to at max volume. It's just one of those ones that just absolutely hits you right where you need it. And, and maybe you feel differently. Maybe you, maybe you are a delicate little flower that goes through life and, you know, you're always uh, catering to your inner child or whatever. Maybe that's your thing. Uh, that's just not me. And uh, I am the kind of person that will tell you exactly how the cow eats the cabbage, good, bad, or indifferent. And I'll just let the chips fall where they may. Those that like me do. And it's like the old Brentley Gilbert song, those that like me love me. And those that don't, you know, they don't really matter. You know, I, I don't occupy my mind and my effort trying to win the approval of people that have already decided they're not going to like me. You're never going to please those people, ever. And so this song is rather anthemic. It's like, you know what, hey, you want to have beef, we can have beef. That's perfectly, I can live with the beef, right? I'm not going to go out of my way to beg you to like me. I'm going to be me, and I'm going to be loyal to what those that are loyal to me. But anti-socialist, to me, that is the quintessential Asking Alexandria song. I hope you like the list. And if you're looking to get into a new band, and I know many of you are, because you don't get stale after a while, right? I mean, listen, I love the 80s. I do. I love the grunge era, too. But at times, you get tired of all that stuff. I mean, you, you just kind of need a break from it. And so I, I think that I really believe you grow old when you stop listening to new music. I, I really believe that. I, I think that's when you become kind of antiquated in your thinking I think, you know, I've learned a lot by listening to music and studying lyrics and things like that. But more importantly, there's always just a song or two out there that kind of fits the perfect mood for me. And I'm sure many of you are the same way because music is such an incredible time machine. Uh, but um, Asking Alexander is a very, very, very good band. And so if you're looking for something new, and uh, I don't know that I would jump and start at, the, at album number one. There's some bands you can do that. I'd probably jump in maybe midway through the catalog, or, or maybe just start with like a house on fire. Uh, that to me, there every, every song on that album sounds like a single. Maybe start there and become familiar with that material and then kind of work your way through the catalog. But I think this is a band you're really gonna like. Again, Asking Alexandria. Uh, be sure to check them out. And uh, thanks as always for your support of the top 10 list. So many of you have submitted 
ideas to me and Roy, and we've used so many of them. There's some others that we still have on our list we hadn't made it to yet. Uh, but be sure, and if you have ideas, hit Roy up on Twitter at Dogmatic67, D-A-W-G-M-A-T-I-C-6-7. You can hit me up, but I can't guarantee I'm going to see it. It's not anything personal. It just doesn't always work that way. I get a lot of messages. And, um, and so I, I share that with you. Uh, it's important. We want to hear from you, and thank you for your support. And uh, you can find our great list over on Spotify under Roy's handle, too, at Dogmatic67. Be sure and subscribe and uh, have those lists auto-populated to your phone. Three times a week, you get some new music or, you know, that's a cool thing, too, is like I know many of you enjoy the playlist. You put your own playlist together, but sometimes you go find somebody else's playlist to kind of get some insight to them or find some new music. I'm always looking for new tunes, always. Uh, and so let, please allow me to give my highest level of recommendation to the great Ben Askin Alexandria. I think you're really going to like those guys. All right, next segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmart, a Starkvillian institution. Been doing business in Starkville for a long, long time. And that's not a shot at anybody's age. It's about longevity. There are a lot of people that kind of pop up and try to sell you Mississippi State merchandise. But wouldn't you want to do business with a Starkvillian institution? That's Campus Bookmart. Neatly positioned on the backside of campus. You turn off 182 right there at the Trooper Station. Keep on coming down right before you get to campus. Right there on the left-hand side is Campus Bookmark. Go by and see the finest selection of Mississippi State merchandise in an own universe. A lot of people make the claim, but it's just rhetoric. Campus Bookmark backs it up. If you can't make it to town to see their smiling faces, you can visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmark.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That's BSR. Which stands for beautiful Steve Robertson. That'll give you free shipping on all orders over 75 bucks. Any order less than 75 bones, absolutely incomplete. Let's take a look around the SEC. Guys, I love chaos in college football when we're not involved, right? You know what I'm saying? It's like it makes it more entertaining. We want things on our side of the fence to go according to expectation or perhaps a little ahead. We don't want to be involved in chaos unless we're the creators of the chaos. Guys, what's happening in Florida is crazy. I thought Florida would be able to out-athlete Kentucky, but I tell you this, Kentucky looked like world beaters in that game against Florida. And so you ask yourself, okay, are we undervaluing Kentucky? Maybe I am. I'm a noted Kentucky hater. But I think maybe Florida, you look at Florida and you realize, man, this thing is going off the rails. Maybe that win against Tennessee was really, rather than be, you know, evidence of what's to come, May have been the outlier. I mean, you look at last week, they lose, they beat Charlotte 22 to 7, then they put up 14 points against Kentucky. And this Kentucky offense has been kind of hit or miss. But uh, listen, man, Kentucky ran the football at will against Florida. And of course, uh, you know, big play in the ball game. Florida's about to get off the field and they get the leaping penalty, which gives the ball back to Kentucky. They immediately convert that to points. And it just felt like Florida was chasing the game the entire game. There are people in Gainesville now that want Billy Napier fired. I mean, you're not even halfway through season two. People are like, you know what? We recognize our mistake. Uh, our friend Scott Strickland, of course, getting a lot of criticism out there as well. You know, the, the concern that I had with Billy, and I, I thought Billy would be okay. I didn't think Billy would be great, but I thought Billy would be okay. The issue that I see with Billy, and I know that he spent some time at Alabama, Okay, I get it. He was an assistant under Nick Saban. Didn't last for a while, but uh, you know, left and went to Arizona and worked for Todd Graham. But here's the deal. When you're recruiting at Mississippi State, 
or you're recruiting at Ole Miss or Arkansas and places like that, no matter what we tell ourselves, we're recruiting at a different level. No matter what anybody says about NIL or Portal and all that kind of stuff or black money or whatever, it, forget that. When you go to the University of Florida, you are competing head-to-head with LSU, Alabama, Georgia, and all the heavyweights. And if you're a head coach that doesn't know how to navigate through the difficulties that come, would basically kind of tiptoe into the jungle, you're going to get crushed. Now, Napier and Florida are having a really good recruiting year this year. They've had a couple things not go their way. And so you think maybe they're figuring some things out, but is it going to be too little too late? Because you know as well as I do, the Florida Gators are not going to sit back and have uh, you know back-to-back losing seasons. I mean, they just that, that's just not who they are. They, they are not willing to accept that. You go to Kentucky or Mississippi State, Arkansas, Ole Miss, places like that, you go 7, 5, 8, and 4 most years, you're going to keep a job, get a nice extension. That's just not the case in Florida. That job is too big for many of the coaches in the college football ranks. And, and at this point, it appears that it's too big for Billy Napier. And so the, the, the question now becomes is, you know, how do you get through this? The buyout is ridiculous, and I think it only goes down like 3 or $4 million because they have to pay him a ridiculous amount of money. You know, is it worth letting him hang around to save $3 million? When you got Florida's resources, maybe it's not. But, um, but uh, here's the deal now. The Gators are 3-2 and two and 1-1 one and one in the SEC, but it feels a lot worse, right? I mean, nobody expected them a challenge for the SEC East. But you look at how they've played, and the only game that really looks like they've played exceptionally well and matched up athlete to athlete was that home game against Tennessee. And maybe Tennessee is not as good as we expected. And maybe Kentucky's better than we expected. I think both of those things can be true, but I think Florida might be exactly what we thought they would be. Now, they get Vanderbilt this week. That'll be big. Then they go to South Carolina. And the way South Carolina's played at times, you know, you never know how it's going to go. Then you get Georgia, Arkansas at LSU, at Missouri, and then Florida State. After this weekend, there's a good chance that Florida may not be favored in many games the rest of the way. That's a tough thing, man. The Swamp used to be one of the toughest places to play in the country. You start looking at here and start counting wins here. You know, they should win this week, which would give them four. And you start, you know, who can you confidently say they'll beat down the stretch? Well, they ought to be able to get Arkansas and Missouri. They should. But would you count the road game at South Carolina, LSU? Would you count the Florida State game? Florida State's turning towards the playoff. Florida's going to have a tough time making a bowl game. Uh, They are. And uh, I think one of the things that may really hurt them is I think people are going to begin to kind of check out. Texas A&M, a big one over Arkansas. I picked Arkansas in this game. I own it. Even though Texas A&M has dominated a series, I didn't think Max Johnson would be able to do enough to win this game. This game was really never in question. It really wasn't. And, uh, you know, there's starting to be some murmurings out there, you know, in northwest Arkansas. You know, everybody's beginning to wonder, you know, hey, is Sam Pittman the guy? Well, you know, most of us told you in the beginning that he wasn't. But he's so charming, right? And he's so folksy. It's easy to like Sam Pittman. I like Sam Pittman. I do. But I think it's abundantly clear that uh, maybe he's not head coaching material, at least not in this league. You know, this is a ball game too. You, you, know, you just look up here and you think, okay, all right, things are going to be good. And it's a 17-6 ball game at the end of the first quarter. 
And from there, Arkansas never really challenged. I guess they cut it at one point to 20 to 16. Felt like they were back in it. But then from there, it's all Aggies. It really is. K.J. Jefferson just 9 of 17. Woof. Tough, tough, tough day. Max Johnson, 17 to 28, 210 yards, a couple touchdowns and a pick. But, uh, yeah, great win for A&M. You know, we thought A&M would be probably the third best team in the West to start the year. That's a big win for them. And, again, 2-3, and 0-2 oh in the SEC for Arkansas. Really sets up for a kind of a must-win game for Mississippi State and Arkansas next week when the Bulldogs head to Fayetteville. Uh, Georgia really had to play hard to win this ball game against Auburn. Give the Tigers credit. Uh, Auburn actually covers the spread here. Georgia 27-20. And, again, we kind of revisit a topic we discussed recently on the show. Georgia just not playing at the level we expect them to play. I think we're all probably in agreement there that while Georgia remains the number one team in the country, they have not looked nearly as dominant as people expected. We thought there'd be a little bit of a, you know, a step back without Stetson Bennett at quarterback, and there has been. But uh, give Auburn all the credit in the world, too. Auburn went out there and played exceptionally well. And, um, you know, I think Hugh Freeze called plays in the ball game. And, uh, but, you know, that Auburn offense is still rather pedestrian. They do some things schematically, but they don't have a lot of people that fit exactly what they want to do. Uh, you know, Thorne's a guy that is, uh, you know, kind of pedestrian in what he does. And, you know, Robbie Ashford's a guy that's an incredible athlete, but he just he really struggles throwing the football and reading defenses. But, you know, Georgia basically wins the fourth quarter 10-3. to three. That's the difference in the ballgame. Auburn jumped out of a 10 nothing lead, and then Georgia ties it at the half. And then, you know, it's pretty much – you know, lockstep the whole way through three quarters. But in the end, the better team finds a way to win. Uh, Thorne, 10 of 19 in the ballgame, just 82 yards and a pick. You know, they're just they're, – they're very much one-dimensional uh, on offense. And, again, I think a lot of it's, you know, you, you hit the, the transfer portal hard and try to upgrade the talent in your, in your room, but it didn't work out as well. Uh, Missouri hammers Vanderbilt 38-21. We expected Missouri to win this game. You, me, most people. Again, I think Missouri is probably done. But uh, you look at – I mean, excuse me, Vanderbilt. But you look at Missouri, you know, it's so easy to start forecasting here. But the Tigers are 5-0. and Now, outside of Kansas State, they haven't really played anybody. They will this weekend. They'll get an LSU team looking to rebound. Missouri now 21 in the, in the rankings. LSU down to 23. If I'm Missouri and you think about this desperate LSU team that's already got a couple losses, you start thinking to yourself, hey, guys, we got a shot here. we got a shot to make some big things happen. The next week you're at Kentucky and then you host South Carolina. Missouri could prove to be the surprise test team in the, in the West. I mean, excuse me, in the East. They're 5-0 and now, which is not to be you know, unexpected. But what's happened, I think, is they're elevating their play a little bit and they're one the games they're supposed to win. But the competition is maybe kind of playing down to them. And Brady Cook having a great year for them. 105, 141 attempts, 1,468 yards, 11 touchdowns. That'll work. That'll work. But, but give them credit. 5-0. and Wouldn't we love to be 5-0, and regardless of who we play? And, of course, uh, next week's competition, the LSU Tigers, uh, get beat. By Ole Miss, 55-49. to 49. A barn burner of a game. If you like college football, and many of you were, recruit, were, were cheering for the Tigers because you don't want anything good to happen in Oxford. 
Uh, but give Ole Miss a lot of credit. And I think if you watched that game at all, you saw that Ole Miss ran some of the same concepts that Arkansas – uh, ran offensively. So give the Razorbacks a little credit for kind of exposing that Tiger defense and then Lane Kiffin and his staff for exploiting that. And that's what you do. You watch film and you begin to kind of evaluate where you are or how other people found some success. Uh, Ole Miss, 55 points against LSU. And you can say what you want to. Listen, we all feel that way, right? I mean, nobody wants to see good things that happen at Ole Miss, but let's be honest. After beating LSU, and this was a really good LSU team, a lot of talent, but defensively they're a mess. They're an absolute mess. And Ole Miss in a prime position now, while they don't control their own destiny. I mean, after playing Alabama, do you really think do you really think that Alabama's gonna run the table? I I, I don't know that anybody expects that. And so yeah, Alabama holds a tiebreaker over Ole Miss. But how could you look at that game last week against LSU? Again, a very talented LSU team, and not be impressed with what Ole Miss did. 55 points for Ole Miss is the most in the history of the series at LSU. That's impressive, right? And so you can say or think what you want, but uh, big win for the Ole Miss Rebels, for sure. And uh, not a great development for LSU. And I really thought LSU was going to run away with this thing in the West because I thought, hey, they'll go to Tuscaloosa and they'll beat them. And everybody else will beat themselves up. And you got to think now, probably the biggest threat to Alabama is Ole Miss. Just kind of call it for what it is. South Carolina goes to Tennessee. And uh, I think South Carolina is who we thought they were. And I think we're going to look back at the end of this year and feel like we let a ball game get away. I think we already feel that way. But I think over the course of this season, we're going to look back and say, man, that's really a game we should have won. Tennessee jumps out to a 24-10 lead and just kind of coast the rest of the way to a 41-20 uh, victory. Uh, Joe Milton, 21 of 32 for 239 yards. Threw a couple of picks, or this game may have been worse. But, uh, yeah, you know, it is what it is, right? And uh, Xavier Leggett had the big game against State. Uh, held the five catches for just 50 yards, no touchdowns. A long of 32. So you begin to factor in four other catches, amassed a total of 18 yards. So good job by the uh, Tennessee secondary. Uh, that is clearly uh, better than the one from Mississippi State. They gave up some huge plays in that ball game. And, of course, Alabama-Mississippi State, you know how that one went. Let's take a quick look ahead uh, at this next week, and, uh, you know, we'll touch on things throughout the week. But um, big week, big, big week in the league. LSU, of course, at Missouri. It's going to be interesting to see. Now, you look at it on paper, and you say, you know what, LSU – should be able to out-athlete Missouri, but you look at Missouri's experience and their playing home and the fact that they've got some, some pretty good skill position players, could be a big-time ball game. They're going to kick off the same time as Mississippi State and Western Michigan. And, of course, we'll preview Western Michigan later in the week. Alabama's at A&M. That's your 2:30 CBS game. A&M, an unranked team, but they have some real players. When you look at that Alabama offense, you realize how pedestrian they are. And this Alabama defense, I think, has the potential to be elite. Got to settle some things down. But you begin to look at this game here, and you begin to realize Alabama could be in some trouble. They absolutely could be. If Alabama goes to A&M and loses that ball game, it changes the complexion of the race in the West. And I think it's going to be a wild, wild West this year. I really do. And, again, I think this A&M team is certainly capable of beating Alabama. I think they can match them athlete for athlete. The, the Aggies currently 4-1 and one 
overall and 2-0 and in the SEC, and you, you're kind of peeking ahead here. They get Alabama this week, then they got to go to Knoxville. And then from there, things get a little bit easier. But what a huge game setting up November 4th at Oxford against Ole Miss. Be huge. And so they got a lot to play for, for sure. But uh, A&M kind of quietly just kind of going through the motions. It kind of has a little bit of an LSU feel to it, right? They hadn't had that big breakthrough win. They're just kind of quietly going through handling their business. The long loss was to Miami. And uh, give Petrino and the group a lot of credit there because you lose your starting quarterback and then you don't miss a beat offensively. Of course, it benefits having a former SEC starter as your backup, uh, a guy like Max Johnson. Uh, Vanderbilt will be at Florida. We mentioned that. It's tough to go into the swamp, but I don't think Vanderbilt will win another game the rest of the year. But uh, that's a big game for Billy Napier. And then if Billy Napier and those guys lose that ball game, you can't even begin to imagine what the situation in Gainesville would be like postgame. You can't even begin to wrap your mind around it. And remember last year, you know, Vanderbilt beat Florida. Our boy Mike Wright, our guy, Mike. And so, you know, Florida's been looking forward to getting this one back. So you got to like the Gators here, but don't be surprised if Vandy doesn't give them a game for a while. Uh, Kentucky is a Georgia. That's a big game there. A lot of people are trying to suggest that Kentucky is the second best team in the East. And maybe they are. Maybe they are because they figured out some things offensively uh, this past week. And you got to wonder, is that really more about Kentucky or is it about Florida? I guess we'll find out this weekend. But, you know, Georgia, again, not playing exceptionally well. Don't be surprised if this is a ball game. And then, of course, Arkansas at Ole Miss, that'll be your night games. And so it's really like if you're a Mississippi State fan, it's kind of the best of both worlds here, right? We have a chance to, uh, you know, to get a non-conference win early in the day, get home, and have a chance to watch uh, a couple of pretty good ball games. Kentucky and Georgia should be a great one. That's on ESPN. Then Arkansas at Ole Miss on the SEC Network. The thing that I always think about when Arkansas and Ole Miss get, get together, weird things always happen. But Ole Miss has never been, like, great against the run. It's like Arkansas commits so much to the run, and you have to bring so many people up to defend them that it really opens up some things in the passing game. And so if K.J. can have a good day throwing the football, could be uh, an interesting outcome. But a uh, you know, big game for Ole Miss, obviously, because it's the next game. Uh, and, again, offensively, we did some really good things against LSU that they weren't able to do against Alabama. So what does Dan Enos dial up against this Ole Miss defense? Because this Ole Miss defense has not been you know, great either, but uh, should be an entertaining game. So, again, we'll, we'll take care of business in the morning, get home, and uh, have a chance to watch a couple really good night games. So, again, come on up to Starkville. Maybe come kick it around at the condo and uh, enjoy a weekend here. Don't forget, folks, the last home game for you this weekend until we get to the month of November. Maybe you've forgotten that. L- let that sink in for a second. If you love Starkville and you love being up here and around everything, make the effort this weekend. Ne- again, next week's an open day. Then we go to Fayetteville and then to Auburn. So you will not see your Bulldogs back in action after this weekend in Davis Wade Stadium until the month of November. It's like we wait all year for this to get here, and you look up and we're, we're halfway done. So come be a part of that. All right, final segment of the show uh, brought to you by our friends at International Auction LLC. That Guys, we're in October now. So 10 days from now, you're going to have this auction, a chance to, uh, to bid on 156-plus acres of development property it's divided into five tracks, and you can buy the whole shoot match if you want. You can. Or you can bid on an individual track. And, and one of the best things about this place, man, is like this, the infrastructure for construction is already there. you got sewer, water, electricity already in place. Uh, if you're considering maybe a multifamily 
or residential type development there. Maybe you've always thought, you know what, hey, let's put some apartments out here. There's already some out there, but you can add some that are even better. You can improve the, uh, the options out there for people. And it's located in the Opportunity Zone. There's no zoning out there. There's, guys, there's five lakes on this property. So if you've always wanted to make Starkville your home and maybe maybe be a recluse, just kind of like, hey, I'd love to be close to campus. And you can be a neighbor of Mississippi State because this property butts up against the North Farm. Five minutes from 30 Noble Field. Five minutes from the hump. Five minutes from Davis Wade Stadium. You could tailgate at home. How amazing would that be? You know, everybody can just get together, have a cook out of your house, and those that want to go to the game can go, and the ones that want to stay can stay, and everybody spend the night together. It'd be a great, great, great deal. So we have we already had two showings. There will be another showing this Sunday, this Sunday from 10 to 2. All right, that's going to be a two-Sterling drive. Put that in your GPS, two-Sterling, S-T-I-R-L-I-N-G drive here in Starkville. And uh, just up there at the clubhouse, you're going to have an opportunity to kind of get some more information. There's going to be telephone, online bidding, and, of course, you can uh, bid on site. You will need to pay a deposit. If you, if you plan to bid on the entire property, the whole 56-acre uh, shebang, that's a $25,000 deposit. If you want to do individual tracks, it's $10,000 per tract, right? So if you don't win, you get your check back. But to, we want to get a deposit to make sure that you're serious about this property. So, Again, this Sunday, one of the final opportunities, unless you make an appointment. So this Sunday and then next Wednesday. Next Wednesday will be a final showing. And then Thursday, that's right, Thursday the 12th, you're going to get a chance to bid on your your new property for your new home. Uh, a, a wonderful place. I viewed the property, and I can tell you, it's absolutely exquisite. It's everything you love about Starkville, of course, with the proximity to campus, which makes it even better. Again, it's International Auction, LLC. Dot com or give them a call today at 888-861-0999. All right, let's talk a little baseball before we get out of here. You know, we're beginning to wrap up fall baseball. And so I was told today, like, if kind of let you know, going to give you a heads up, you know, they're going to begin the, uh, the kind of fall ball world series and we'll have a couple of exhibitions and fall is going to be over. We're going to be done. Uh, Steven Spilata hit another tank. I don't know how you keep that kid out of lineup. You know, is he challenging for third? I don't know. Logan Kohler has really responded here as of late, hit the baseball well. He had one long fly out yesterday uh, that nearly poked out of the yard. And he has hit a couple of bombs. But um, the biggest thing that I see, because a lot of people are texting me, hey, Steve, I love baseball and I appreciate you and Mike being there. Um, You know, what are you really thinking? Well, it's tough to know because you're playing yourself, right? Pitching is up and down at times. And some of that, too, is – you use fall baseball to figure out who you can trust. And so everybody's going to get some innings. Everybody. Now, Nate Dome, I've seen him pitch three times this fall. I think he's gotten better every outing. I do think he is a real opportunity, has a real opportunity to be the Friday night starter. And some people say, but Steve, why would he be a Friday night guy? Well, you know, he was pitching in a role last year that he wasn't recruited to pitch. Right? We had to move him to the weekend because of, because of a team need. Not to mention he was a sophomore. So this is usually the year, like the big junior year, where you move the guy to Friday night. And uh, the guy, maybe it was a Saturday or a Sunday guy. Uh, does Nate have Friday night stuff? I think he does. Is he on the same level as Will Bednar? No, he's not. He doesn't have that kind of stuff. He's not Landon Sims. But he may be the best option that we have. And, and for those of you that haven't seen him in the fall, 
I don't think you can fully appreciate the fact that he has really fine-tuned some things, and he really looks good out there. The motion, his throwing motion, looks a lot more natural. It's not so violent. You know, he's not overthrowing, you know. Uh, so I, I feel good about that. I thought Carson Ligon uh, looked pretty good yesterday. Uh, it was interesting, too, The uh, if memory serves me correct, the black pitching staff, uh, the black team pitching staff had a no-hitter through five innings. You know, and then, of course, some things got away late, and, and that, which tends to happen in a scrimmage. You know, that, that's part of the deal, too. David Mershon hit a big two-run bomb yesterday. And I'll tell you, that kid's a ball player, man. He, I mean, you saw him last year. He's even better this year. He looks more comfortable out there. And, and the thing that probably gives me the most level of comfort, because I expected us to be a good offensive team. We were a good offensive team last year. I think we can be even better, even though you don't have Colton Ledbetter. And Ledbetter, of course, at times in SEC play, kind of disappeared on us. I love the kid. I do. But I think that, I think there's going to be a little more depth in this order. I think we're going to score some runs. And it won't all just be from home runs. I think Connor Hyzak has done some good things. But uh, the, the thing that has probably given me maybe the most confidence is the fact how well we're playing defensively. We're really playing well defensively. I mean, how many times did you see a batted ball go to the left side last year and you held your breath? You know, between Mershon and Cup, after the first weekend, they've been absolutely automatic at short. And they're making some plays that we haven't ordinarily made. You know, listen, Lane had some big moments for us, especially in 2021. He did. He was great defensively. And then I don't know what happened over the course of the last uh, 18 months, but he kind of got the yips. But things are a little more smooth out there these days. Ground ball to third. Really, really, really confident in what Logan Kohler has done. Spalletta yesterday has played some at third the last couple weekends. Because, again, you're trying to find a way to get the kid in the lineup, right? I mean, he's not going to beat out Ross Highfield, right? But you, you can't ignore the fact this kid's got four bombs in the fall. And if memory serves me correct, he's leading the team. And so you begin to think about the fact, again, this is just the last guy in the class. And he showed up and really, you know, made a loud arrival. But I feel good about the lineup. I was a little bit curious about Hyzak going to center. Uh, he robbed a home run on Friday and then doubled off the runner at first. Bryce Chance, of course, played some at second. You know, Bryce is a guy. People forget this. And Mike Nemeth and I talked about this yesterday. Bryce Chance was hitting like 352 when he got injured. At the time, he was one of the leading hitters in the Southeastern Conference. And so you start beginning to wonder, how, how do we piece this thing together uh, to get him in the lineup? So we have some options offensively and defensively. But you and I both know it's all going to boil down to how we pitch. And, uh, you know, of course, all this will kind of round in the form over the course of the next three months. And uh, we'll get ready to you know, put a rotation together. But um, I think Cal Stevens has done some good things. But, you know, but the guy that I look at, I would think, okay, if I've got to go win one game, like if they give me that wild card one game playoff deal, I'm starting Nate. Based on what I've seen this fall, I'm starting Nate. Uh, you know, there's some other guys too that have done some good things for us. Uh, there's a lot, some younger arms that are coming on. Uh, you know, Makai Grant yesterday walked off the mound with the trainer, so we're a little bit concerned about that, but he did return to the dugout. Uh, but that, that happens in the fall. I mean, every time, you know, anytime you see a pitcher, talk to a trainer it always gives you pause right and so we're hopefully he's okay he's been really good this this uh this fall and again he's 
he's kind of learned how to pitch to college hitters. So he throws with a lot of velo. But, um, you know, again, Carson Ligon saw him pitch uh, some yesterday, and he's a guy, too, that, uh, you know, an SEC caliber type guy. He was a Friday night starter in the ACC, uh, which is probably the second best baseball conference in the country. And so you got to feel like he can help you somewhere on the weekend. And so that's what Justin Parker's challenge is now, which is kind of figuring out what are the roles for these guys? You know, who, who's your closer? Is it Stone Simmons or is it somebody else? You know, uh, I, I, you know, Brooks Auger has been a little bit up and down. I didn't think yesterday was one of his better days. He did some other days where he's been absolutely electric. Uh, but the main thing is we have options. Uh, we have a lot of options. Uh, Brock Tapper pitched yesterday and, and uh, looked a little bit rusty to me um, against live hitting. But, you know, you, you know that he's a competitor. You know he's going to challenge hitters, and he did that all year last year. So I'm cautiously optimistic. I think we're going to be much better defensively, which in turn will make us better on the mound. And I think we're going to be as good, or if not a little bit better than we were offensively last year. Because I think Dakota Jordan's going to make a big jump numbers-wise. You saw what he was this, the back half of the year, you know. Uh, but you've got some options. And we got some guys, you know, putting some pretty good swings on, on the ball these days. But, again, like, every, like the last three years, it's going to boil down to pitching. You know, we had great pitching in 2021. We won an Apple championship. We set an NCAA record for strikeouts. And then we tried to replicate that same formula with guys that weren't quite as talented. And, of course, we had the big injury. I mean, yeah, I, go, I go back to Landon Sims getting injured down there in Tulane. You know, I mean, it's like Landon had been really good for us uh, the first couple of, you know, during the non-conference and then um, didn't get a lot of run support. And then he's having one of the best performances in the country and uh, tears the UCL. And, I, and that really kind of sent us on a downward spiral. And just when we're starting to, you know, feel bad about ourselves, then we lose Stone Simmons on top of that, you know. And so a lot of that can kind of be explained away. You know, you say, well, you know, yeah, you lost these you know, frontline guys. You tried to replace them. And then the guys you were depending on, got injured, and then, of course, you know, the same problems kind of arose last year without the same level of injuries, and so we make a change. So I understand people being a little bit gunshots. I'm not going to sit here and tell you we're going to Omaha, that we're going to host a region or anything like that. I'm just going to tell you, based on what I have seen this fall, and there's only so much you can tell, we are a much better team defensively this fall than we were last year. We were. And you can always get tricked. I mean, remember last year, Graham Eichema was absolutely unhittable in the fall. And then he gets into a real game, and outside of, uh, you know, one or two appearances, I mean, it was just absolute fiasco. I mean, it just was. Not talking poorly of the kid. I'm just kind of assessing his play. You all saw it. It's not like I'm breaking any news here. But uh, I, I feel good about the direction of things, and I'm eager to see what happens in these exhibition games against Louisiana Tech and UAB. Because uh, we're, we're certainly going to try to win those games. You know, I mean, that's a big part of it. We're going to try to go win those games. It's not like we're going to go out there and just, uh, you know, make sure everybody has um, some work. You know, I'm sure we will uh, spread the pitching duties around a little bit, but uh, we want to go win the games. We want to go play somebody else and kind of see how things look. But uh, if, if you're able to go to those games, I encourage you to do so. Of course, uh, next weekend, not this weekend, but next weekend uh, during the open date, Bulldogs will be playing out in Ruston against Louisiana Tech. And then uh, – you get UAB, uh, the next one, they kind of close it out. And so I'll look, I'll look forward to sitting down with Chris Simonis here in uh, the next week or so. We'll just kind of assess where we are. And I'm eager to hear from Chris. You know, I mean, we, we've talked in passing a little bit at scrimmages, but uh, just to kind of sit down and see how he's feeling, you know. Um, 
Yeah, it's a big year. It's not just for Chris, but for Mississippi State. And, you know, my loyalty is always to the M over S uh, in, in every aspect. And I appreciate every coach that's uh, been the skipper and filled that lineup card for us. But uh, we got to win this year. Everybody knows that, you know. But I, I think we have the pieces in which to do so. Uh, but, again, it's fall baseball. And uh, we've been fooled before about fall baseball. But I do recall, too, in 2021, we had trouble throwing strikes in the fall. We did. And then we ended up setting the national record for strikeouts. And so, uh, good, bad, or indifferent, you can't base a lot on fall baseball. And I, I think it's important to temper that. But you, you guys still want to know what's going on and who looks good. And, again, the big takeaway right now is defensively this is a better baseball team because we were booting the ball around consistently last year in the fall, and that carried over into the season. So you don't want the game to speed these kids up, but uh, feel good about how we look defensively. And I think that's one thing, no matter the level of competition, doesn't matter you know, who you're pitching against or hitting against. You know, when you go out there and you play good defense, more times than not, you're going to be in the ballgame. All right, let's get ready to get out of here. Go to winthebottomfalls.com, and you can order uh, my newest book, When the Bottom Falls, but also two. Uh, all my sports books are available through the same website. If you're looking for Stark Villains gear, I was reminded. I, w- I forgot to mention that last week. And so now that you've reminded me, I expect you to go order some Stark Villains gear. Go to StarkVillains.com. Get yourself T-shirts, hoodies, uh, everything with a Stark Villain uh, logo on it. It's, uh, it's incredible to be able to offer that to you. And if you've got some Boneyard fans in your, uh, in your family, let me encourage you, maybe consider that as a Christmas gift. I mean, they're not going to be expecting that. They probably won't even ask you for it, but they'd love to have it. Maybe go ahead and order that and have that ready for Christmas. Again, that's uh, StarkVillains.com. And if you hadn't done so, come to JeansPage.com and join our Merry Band of Misfits. Uh, two months for $1. That's your good starting introductory offer. Two months for $1 at JeansPage.com, the Mississippi State affiliate for 247 Sports. Hey, you guys have a great week. We'll be back on Wednesday. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.